This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us, downloading and listening to the show. I'm Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. I had plans to start breaking down the Wisconsin football roster and the news that's been coming out of spring football over the past two weeks. We've gotten a lot of interesting nuggets despite having us not see practice yet. We've talked to Graham Mertz and the quarterbacks. We've talked to uh, Ross Kalaji and the defensive line, Joe Rudolph and the offensive line. Uh, we've talked to Bobby April and the linebackers. So a lot of interesting nuggets that have come out, but big news happened on Tuesday. Barry Alvarez, the great head football coach, the 18-year athletic director of the University of Wisconsin, the third longest AD in a Power 5 conference, decided that he is going to retire. Uh, effective July 1, June 30th will be his last day that ends a 32-year run with the school. Uh, and this show is going to be about Barry Alvarez. We'll play the full press conference with Alvarez later in the show. And our guest this week has a unique kind of perspective on Barry Alvarez. It's going to be men's hockey head coach Tony Granato. He led his team to uh, its first regular season conference title in 21 years this past year. We'll talk about that, but Granato is going to join us to discuss the legacy of Alvarez and why Barry's influence is felt in every program across the athletic department and not just the football team. However, we'd be denying the obvious fact that Alvarez will be known until the end of time as the football coach who turned around the Badgers program, and as a result, the rest of the, the athletic department followed. I mean, think about it. The 74-year-old Alvarez was hired in 1990 to turn around a program that had gone 9-36 and the previous four seasons and had some 20,000 fans at its final game uh, before he took over. By year four of Alvarez's tenure, Wisconsin won its first Big Ten title in three decades and delivered the program's first Rose Bowl in that uh, magical moment against UCLA in Pasadena. Now, Alvarez's teams had many more of those moments. They had had two more Big Ten titles and two more Rose Bowl victories by the end of the decade. And then when he retired following the 2005 season, Alvarez was 119-72-4 in 16 seasons, 9-4 in bowl games, six AP top 25 finishes, including three in the top six. He could have kept coaching easily, but he wanted to transition into the athletic director role full-time, a job that he had had dual roles uh, since 2004. Alvarez is a Rose Bowl Hall of Famer, an Orange Bowl Hall of Famer, UW Athletics Hall of Famer, and a College Football Hall of Famer. Just an amazing coaching career. And his final game in 2015, on an interim basis, he guided the Badgers to an overtime victory over Auburn in the Outback Bowl. So even 10 years after he retires, he can still come out and lead Wisconsin to a big win. He even joked about that. Uh, in the press conference that he'll retire, but if he's needed for a big bowl game, give him a call. He'll be right there. Now, as I said, Alvarez was hired as the athletic director in April 2004 on the retirement of Pat Richter. So he did both those roles until he took over uh, in January 06. And, you know, he hired three football coaches during his tenure, Brett Bielma, Gary Anderson, Paul Chris, and has seen the program deliver 15 straight winning seasons uh, since he left. A pretty impressive achievement. And as we'll talk about shortly with Tony Granado, Wisconsin's success hasn't been limited to just football. In the 18 seasons as AD for Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin has finished among the top 30 in the NACDA Directors Cup 15 times. Six different programs have won national titles during Barry's tenure, including four in the 2005-06 season. 14 teams have been crowned as conference champions, 
including five in each of 0506, 0607, 0708, 2012, 13, and 2014, 15. Add it all up, Alvarez has seen Wisconsin win a combined 16 team national titles and 73 conference regular season or tournament titles. And that number could grow over the course of the next couple months. Remember, women's volleyball is the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which begins next week. The university's other main revenue sport, men's basketball, has made more Final Fours than missed the NCAA tournament. And since the 93-94 academic year, UW's combined 49 appearances in bowl games, 26, and NCAA men's basketball tournaments, 23, is the most in the country. But while the titles can come and go, the true testament, in my opinion, to Alvarez's legacy is how well the Badgers are set up for the future. Remember, he took over a program that was struggling in debt, that had just caught up cutting athletic programs like men's baseball, which people are still clamoring to get back. Fencing was cut. A number of other programs were cut. And it was struggling for fan support and competing in the Big Ten. And now it is a program that consistently operates with a budget surplus, has undergone considerable construction projects that have reshaped the performance of student-athletes. And that has, in turn, helped, I think, results on the field. Think about it. The program has built a, a student-athlete performance center at Camp Randall Stadium, kind of consolidating all of the necessary things that Wisconsin football athletes need to succeed. They renovated the 90-year-old field house for volleyball. They significantly upgraded the game, practice, or training areas for, for men's and women's hockey, cross-country, golf, and softball. Uh, there's plans in the works for seeing upgrades at Camp Randall Stadium and the Cole Center. And according to UW, donors have contributed more than $150 million over the past 10 years, and UW Athletics Endowment to support student-athlete scholarships more than doubled during Alvarez's AD tenure, making that endowment right now one of the largest in the Big Ten. It's certainly a big job and big shoes for somebody to fill next following the, the steps of Alvarez. And UW Chancellor Rebecca Blank has stated this week that it will be a national search and that they've the school has created a nine-member search committee to identify potential candidates. It's not just to be given to somebody, as Blank has, has stated this week. And a couple names you might know in that search committee, football head coach Paul Chris and assistant basketball coach Alondo Tucker. Now, the sentimental favorite and the one that Alvarez would probably like to see get the job is Deputy AD Chris McIntosh. Uh, McIntosh is 44 years old. He captained Wisconsin to a Big Ten championship in 1998 and 1999. Uh, he's an All-American offensive lineman, and he joined the department as a director of business development in December 2014. Promoted to his current role in July of 17, he's run a number of day-to-day -day operations that include staff management uh, during COVID and business development, and Alvarez speaks exceptionally high of him. A lot of good candidates out there. Wisconsin's going to get a lot of candidates for this job, but as least one person who would be a fan of that hire is going to be our guest on this week's podcast. Uh, bottom line, Alvarez's legacy is unmatched and probably will stay that way for a long time. Green shoes uh, that are tremendous, tremendous loafers for somebody to fill. And whoever gets the job is going to be taking the reins of one of the top athletic departments in the country. Thanks greatly to the work of Barry Alvarez. You are listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. We've talked a lot about Barry Alvarez, the football coach and the athletic director. I want to talk about Barry Alvarez, kind of maybe the unknown side of Barry Alvarez in terms of his athletic department. 
some of the hires he's made and programs he's helped turn around. And for that, I welcome in the 2020 Big Ten Hockey Coach of the Year, Tony Granato, to the show. And, and Coach, thank you for taking the time. Um, what was your reaction when you heard the news that, that Barry was going to retire earlier this summer after 30-plus years with the university? Well, I think for about the last two to three years, there's been lots of rumors that you know, at some point, you know, Barry's going to retire and his grandson's playing football here. He's probably going to wait till he's done playing football. And, and, uh, and then you start to think about, you know, what he's meant to our university and to our athletic department. And, and, uh, you kind of look back to the first year he was here and, and the big, you know, it, it was a big introduction. And, it, it, you know, at the time it was, you know, everybody was kind of, oh, well, this guy's got some swagger and a personality to him and some confidence to him, you know, that our university needs. And, you know, within, you know, a short period of time, his his um, love of Wisconsin, his winning attitude, his mentality kind of kind of vibrated through the university and through each and every sport and through, through our community. And, so I, I, I look back. I, I mean, it's immeasurable on, on what he's done for for not just the football program, not just the athletic department, but for our university in general. And, and you know, I, I I talked about this the other day. I said, imagine the money that's been generated since you know he came back and got football going. That that has been had benefited our students, not just our student athletes, but our students and our community. And you know, you look at campus, and you look at the new buildings. You look at everything's state of the art. It's the it's the best place in the world to go to school, and you, and you go back, and then you say, well, you know what? The athletic department goes hand in hand with the success of a university, and you saw the impact that he had on football, and then it carried on through the other sports. So I think he gets he deserves a lot more credit than just being a, an athletic director and a football coach. Uh, it is his. Legacy here is bigger than just what uh, what happened on the field quarter ice. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the legacies is what you guys practice in on a yearly basis, what you played in this year in the Laban Arena. I remember talking to your predecessor, Mike Eves, about it and how it was such a hassle for men's hockey players. A lot of people don't know this. They had to go all the way down to the Align Energy Center to practice, or they had to rollerblade across campus down to uh, by Camp Randall to the building there um, and, and practice when the Cole Center was not available because of basketball or what have you. I mean, to have a, a first-class practice facility right connected to your locker room now, that's a huge advantage, not just from a team perspective, but when you bring in these NHL-caliber recruits that you're bringing to your programs and everything is right there, that's become a huge selling point for your program and, and probably something that's helped your program kind of maybe turn a corner here the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure it's important. Uh, you know, I, I just you know got off the phone with a recruit just a couple of days ago, and, and he had never been on campus, and lots of the, the, the potential student-athletes that are going to come to our school without, you know, being able to travel and with the restrictions of recruiting – you're going to have to do lots of things virtually, and and we sent them some video links to look at, and we explained, you know, the locker room situation, and the ice situation, and the coal center, and the ice situation in Lebron. You know, and the kids go, I mean, you can just go on the ice whenever you want, and I said, yeah, I mean, the ice is in, you know, all year long. From, you know, you when you're here in the summer, the ice is in 24 hours a day. You want to go on the ice, and you you got time in between class or nothing to do, you go go to the locker room, put your skates on, go on the ice, and practice your craft. And, 
And to hear that as a recruit when you're aspiring to do something special with the sport and potentially play pro hockey someday and know that you have access to a building like that, uh, it, it is a it is a eye opening you know you know liner that these recruits hear and and can't believe that that's that's the way it works. So so it's unique. It's it's uh, a phenomenal facility. We had to play in that building this year because we decided that playing in front of fifteen thousand five hundred empty seats at the Kohl Center you know would have lost the pizzazz. So we went over to Lebanon and it was a, a great atmosphere, a great building. Uh, ice conditions were outstanding, and, and it turned out to be a, a really special year, even if we didn't have fans in the building, having an opportunity to, to play in that building and, and, and have a successful season. We have great memories and always will of, of, of our, our games in that, in that rink. You know, certainly Barry's accomplishments have been talked about at length uh, this week, and rightfully so. I mean, at 30-plus years, he's done a lot of really good things. And, and your name has come up, you know, him hiring an established NHL coach and a talent developer to lead the program, which had kind of fallen on some hard times a handful of years ago. I want to kind of ask you about that process. And how did he approach you of the opportunity with the Badgers? I know you've told this story before, but, you know, just – were you kind of caught off guard when he brought your name up? And usually when Barry has someone in mind that he wants to lead a program, he goes after that person or her, him or her, pretty aggressively. Yeah, I mean, it was. I got a tip from, from my, actually, Coach Chris that, hey, Coach Alvarez is, is really struggling with what to do with this hockey program and he wants to pick your brain. You know, can he call you? I said, absolutely. Tell him, call whenever. And, Maybe it was a couple of weeks later. I get the phone call, and he said, "Hey, we're going to make a change here, and and you know I don't like where the program's at now. And I, I just, I, I, it's more important to me now to do other things besides focus on football. And I can't figure out, you know, what to do with this hockey thing. So I need your your advice and whatever. So we we go through this conversation, and I recommend the guys that I thought would be outstanding and and pursuing to see if it would work for them and work for the university as being a potential hire. And as we're going through this conversation, you know, he makes a comment, you know, how come, is that it? Is that the only people available? And I said, well, Barry, no, your position's not open right now. I said, when you put it on the open market and people know that the the job is available, then everybody's going to want that job. It's it's a great job. It's, it's, you know, it'd be a dream job for lots of people. And, And because I said that, I think he was leading me to that, to say, uh, you know, well, aren't you going to be, you know, interested in it? And so I took, I took your hook, line, and sinker. I said, Perry, I said, I said, of, of course, if, if the job's available and, um, you know, I could make it work, it would be, it would be a, a dream job for me. But I, I don't want to go into a position where, you know, I'm going into an interview and interviewing against my brother, and interviews against Mark Johnson, interviewing against Mark Lusicki. And, and went down the line of candidates that I thought would be the right people for the job. And then he said, hey, hey, I got a great solution. Let's, you can bring in whoever you want. Call all those guys. We'll bring them in and put them together as a staff. And I, went, I almost dropped the phone at, at, the, you know, at that presentation. So I got off the phone, made the calls to, to my brother Donnie, to Coach Osiki. I did call Coach Johnson as well to just kind of let him know what might be happening if, if, if it did uh, continue the, the, the talks. And and sure enough, a few days later, uh, you know, I made the decision to, with Donnie and with Mark to to come on and, and, and be the coach here. So he is a tremendous recruiter, I will tell you that. <laughs> I felt like that call was exactly that. But again, it, it's his personality, one. He's a winner. 
he's a guy you want to be around and learn from. And the brand he has is what he exemplifies and what he vibrates with. I mean, you just, it's contagious. And, and that energy is something that, that I really admire uh, from his presence. You know, he, he's, he's honest. I, I'm a football guy. These other sports and hockey included, I just don't quite figure all of it out. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I just want this program, you know, in a better place. And, uh, so I really respect him. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity that he gave me. I think if you go across the board, uh, you mentioned about the other coaches, uh, you know, briefly about, uh, he's got some special coaches in, in different departments, and he really, uh, I think, our coaching uh, fraternity here at the University of Wisconsin is special for lots of ways. We share with each other, we cheer for each other, we're, we're part of one special group uh, that has a ton of pride in, in our own program, but also in each other's, and that's a pretty incredible environment to create, uh, and, and he's the one that is responsible for, for making it so special. And it forced you to finish up your degree, too, which is another kind of bonus to coming back here. That was one of the questions that I said. And that was what actually, that was the first thing I said. You know, I, I said, someday I want to coach college. I don't have a degree. And he said, don't worry. I think we can, you know, find a solution to that. And said, you know, let me call you back tomorrow, and, and you talk to your guys. I'll talk to my guys. And sure enough, the next day he called back and said, we got a great plan in place. You take the job, you'll have 12 months. We're going to look at your, your uh, transcript and see, you know, uh, where you, where you need to take classes. We'll, we'll set it all up for you. Go back to school. You got a degree in a year and you become our coach. And, uh, you know, that for me was the, the icing on the cake. You know, my four children had all, you know, taken school seriously. They all had wonderful degrees. Uh, I always said, you know, in the back of my mind, I really want to do this, you guys. I'm going to get a degree someday. But I knew how hard it would be. This gave me that opportunity to accomplish that as well. And, and uh, you know, that's pretty exciting when you, you look back at it as an old man and you go back and say, man, I went back to school at 53 years old and found a way to, to, to you know, to get a degree. And that means a lot to me. Again, we're talking with men's hockey head coach Tony Granado here on the Badger Blitz podcast. I can't remember, Tony, too many press conferences where people who attended got a free pair of socks. But Barry's comments, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing that the hire will knock people's socks off, made for some fun publicity, but it also signaled to me that there was a lot of support behind you to make things work. And you kind of touched on that, too, with Barry kind of making things work, with letting you hire the staff you want, helping you with your degree, um, and just allowing you to take the program and kind of make it your own. And like you said, he always will be associated with the success of the football program, but it seems that as him being a former coach, it felt from the outside looking in as well that he just wanted to let the coaches coach. Can you talk a little bit about that? How accurate is that, that he just wanted to give you whatever possible to make your job easier to help the product on on the ice? Well, it, it's exactly, you know, uh, dead on, on on his philosophy. You know, it's, again, you know, it's it's when you get 23 sports on campus and and uh, there's lots of different things to look out for to try to help each and every one of them, you know, to be able to, the first and most important thing, I think, and I'm not saying this because I'm the coach, but it's to, to get the right person in there that can follow the guidance of what the athletic director's Kind of, and I, I mentioned it earlier. Brand, it's our brand is hardworking. It's getting the right kids in here that understand the importance of of going to school and taking advantage of the education and and just being good, solid 
Wisconsin citizens. And and so when you recruit, you look for, for what Paul Christ has done. You look for what Kelly Sheffield's done. You look for what Greg Gard's done and the type of kid you're looking for to bring in. So I think it, it is, you know, kind of uh, uh, spreads out uh, to our entire athletic department on Barry's presence as, as our athletic director. And, and I look back at this year and I look, you know, back into July. And football team gets here in June, in June to try to get ready for what potentially could be a start of a, of a fall season. And they bring everybody in and all these new protocols are in place. All these new expenses come in about testing and trying to keep everybody healthy and only four guys in the weight room at a time and only 10 guys on the field at a time. And all these things that have, we had to deal with and overcome with. And, and again, understanding that potentially there was going to be no no fans in the stadium for, for any sports. And we're thinking, okay, how is this possibly going to work for hockey, you know, with the expense that it costs to run a hockey team? And sh- sure enough, in early July, we get a call from Barry, said, hey, get all hold all your guys, start bringing them into town, start training. They, we committed to these athletes to help them uh, in their sport. Uh, I want our facility open. I want it available to them to be able to come in here and get ready for a season. We don't know when it's going to happen or when it's going to start, but we owe that to our athletes. And I said that to really, to me, as a, a great signal of, you know, Barry's not just about Barry. Barry's about doing what's right for the university, for football, but more so for the student athlete to give them a special place that they can come to and be part of something that's as unique as, as you could ever have as a college experience. And and to me, I mean, that says it all. You got We get 20-some players come back here in July to begin preparing for a season that we didn't even know was going to happen. And that was, you know, that was his, you know, thought and, and dream to say, let's do it. We made this promise. And, and you know, fortunately for us, we were able to start our season a month and a half later and, and, and win a Big Ten title. And I go back, if we weren't here in July, we would have lost players. Players would have signed professionally. Cole Coffey would have been gone in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linus Blackbach wouldn't have made it back. You know, Dylan Holloway would have been in a position where he would have been his prime development year. Where do I go? What do I do? Ty Emerson probably would have signed with Phoenix. We would have had other guys that would have had great opportunities to go, to go elsewhere and move on. And instead, we were all able to come back here, train, get ready for a season. And, and like I said, it turned into a Big Ten champion. And had Barry not made that decision to let us in, it could have been a, a real long-term effect and damage to our program. What's dialogue like with Barry in season? When things are going well, when things aren't going, going so well, you've been on both ends of the spectrum through your your time here. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's not a lot of X's and O's talk with Barry. I'm sure he wants to know kind of what's going on with this program. Uh, what, what are those kind of conversations like as you maybe end of the year reviews, mid-year reviews? What, what kind of, uh, as a former coach that Barry, uh, Barry is, you know, how, how do those kind of conversations go? And it seems like he was always pretty supportive because he knows of the highs and lows with coaching. And he knows that it's just not a straight line from point A to point B to get you where you need to go. Stories. It's all about the stories of, of his relationship with athletes, certain athletes at different points of the careers when they were going through struggles, and they, they found a way to, to, to battle through it and, and come out on top. That's that's one of the things that he talks so much pride about the players that came in here, either as walk-ons or players that were were just grinding players that stuck their nose in the, in the dirt and found a way to 
to, to help the program. And he also talks a lot. You know, I love the old stories about old coaches. So Hayden Fry and, and, and Coach Lou Holtz are, are two of his, you know, buddies and mentors that he worked with over the years that, that uh, you know, when you come around, you get them going about old stories. And, and it's just, it's, it's like being, you know, with one of the greatest legendary football coaches and he's sharing all these kind of stories that, that other people probably won't ever hear. And you just feel, you know, grateful for that. And, and the, the, the energy and the emotion that's attached to those stories, you, you know, you, you, you kind of get fired up because you understand, you know, if I was a player and I was on the field, what I would be like, you know, getting ready for a snap with, with, with Alvarez as my coach. So, so Coach Alvarez has, has been, uh, uh, a, you know, a great mentor for me. Uh, just from learning from his demeanor, learning why he's a winner. So when you say the other day, I, as we did that press conference uh, and, and they, they announced his retirement, I'm trying to think of a one word that would describe him, and it's winner, man. That guy's just a winner. He just everything he does and wants to do is designed to make sure that that he gives his team and his athletes that competitive edge and that mental toughness and that that uh, warrior mentality. And then when you hit the field, the ice, the court, like I said, you got you got uh, you know some confidence behind you, and that's what he had. He talked about his swagger, his confidence. Every time you run into him, that confidence and swagger is is you know coming out of him. And uh, so it, it's been a great run. It's it's uh, you know it's going to be a, a tough uh, uh, job for whoever comes in next. I'm hoping I think I you know know who it is. It's been in the athletic department for a few years, mm-hmm. kind of work. Uh, and Chris McIntosh, but um, you know it's it's uh, he's he's left the legacy here. The part I, I I love about what I think he's done, I think it's it's it, the handoff will be smooth, and I think the transition will be smooth because I think the people around him learn from them, understand them, and and really, like you said, the brand is the important thing for Wisconsin athletics, and that brand is going to always have his identity and name behind you know our, our sports as we move forward in the future i did want to ask you about about mcintosh since you brought him up i mean I, i've dealt with him a little bit but but certainly not maybe to the degree that that you have as as coach and and a deputy ad what kind of person is he like um how big of an impact do you think he's had on the athletic program working next as kind of barry's right hand man if, if that is the higher it's going to be. It would seem like it would be almost a seamless transition, a little bit, and it would be. Like Barry said, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." And it seems like Chris McIntosh would wouldn't uh, really change up, change too many things up, uh, as he kind of puts his own stamp uh, on the department. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have watched it. I've watched Mac and and all of his presentations for the last you know five years. He's been. Barry's voice throughout this whole thing. Like Barry's got tons of, you know, responsibilities that lots of times Mac needs to be there and be part of, you know, presentations and discussions, especially through this whole, you know, COVID scenario. And, and, uh, you know, I think he understands what Barry's uh, MO is or his, his vision is and what our athletic department needs in the future. So I'm, I, I wish I was on the committee or, or the, uh, uh, the search committee to, to but I, I think he's going to have a great opportunity. I know he would interview well. Um, I know there's other great candidates out there. I, I get that. Um, but with what he's put into it 
and the time and energy that he's gone through uh, to be ready for this position, I do think that's the right guy. And, uh, you know, as we move forward, we'll hopefully, you know, someday soon uh, get an announcement that, that Mac will be his replacement. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I feel, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that's what, what happens. Well, you know, Paul Chris is on the committee. I'm pretty sure you can just, you know, give him a quick phone call and, you know, and put your two cents in. I think that uh, I, I think he'll take your call, Tony. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that. Um, but before I let you go, I, I do want to ask you about Cole Caulfield. I mean, the best player in college hockey this past season, easily. And, and how important was he not? just for your program in the 31 games this past year to win that Big Ten title, but bringing attention to UW, kind of putting the program back on an NCAA tournament map, and especially making Wisconsin maybe a little bit more aware in the minds of those talented, uncommitted hockey players out there that may be looking at your program. Well, I can tell you that this impact is going to last a long time because every recruit that I talk to, you know, they identify with Cole, because being a draft pick, being a Wisconsin kid, one, being a small player, you know, being the leading scorer in the Big Ten last year, and this year being the runaway, you know, uh, player for the best, you know, runaway uh, uh, player for the, being the best player in college hockey by a mile. Like, so, so I think, you know, his impact is going to, we're going to get lots of recruits in the years to come just by the affiliation with Cole being, being a Badger. And that old saying, once a Badger, always a Badger. You look at Pavolsky and you look at Suter and you look at Elliott and Chelios and Mark Johnson and hundreds of other Badger players that have come through here. That's what people identify with for our program. And younger recruits, you know, they're, they're a little bit outdated with the, you know, Mike Richters and, and Kelly Olsen and the guys maybe that played, you know, 20, 25 years ago, but their families aren't. Their grandpas aren't. Their parents aren't. Their uncles aren't. So Wisconsin has, has just like I said about Barry and his brand, our program has a brand of being able to recruit, bring in players, develop them, give them an opportunity to not only have a great collegiate career, but also have a chance to play lots and lots of pro hockey. And, and Cole, for me, this year that he had was as exceptional as any college season that I've ever seen. And, yeah, you could go back and say Mark had some of those great years you know, back in the 70s for sure. But mm-hmm. in today's era and how the game's played today, and with the COVID situation going on, with him, you know, potentially signing and, and going somewhere else, for him to stick through it, to be part of it, to to see what he did as a player, you know, not only on the ice, but in the locker room, on what he did from a leadership standpoint, on what he did. We were last place team last year. Mm-hmm. And you don't become a first place team in a hurry unless your best players become great leaders and they take other people with them to become great and I think that's the one compliment that I've said over and over throughout this year is Cole's learned what being a superstar is not just scoring goals but it's about making other people around you also have success and and I look at our you know we had we had really the top four scorers in college hockey this year we had Bice who was hurt fell out of the top four and I think finished you know whatever but if you look at if you look at his points per game thing you got him, you got Linus Weisbach, and you got Dylan Holloway who only played a half a season because he was with Hockey Canada's World Junior thing for, for the first half of the year. Those four guys had remarkable, remarkable seasons, and they were all on the same team. So so Cole's legacy will carry on, and his name will always be associated with our program, and he'll have great success in the NHL, and 
We thank him for his two years. That's the hard part is, is recruiting players like this and knowing that their impact will be fast, but they'll also be gone fast. And all you can do is, is appreciate them when they're here, thank them, and then try to find another player that, that can have the same impact on your program as, as Cole and Dylan and the other players that we just talked about. It's a lot to replace, but it certainly gets you excited for next year, knowing that the guys that are returning have a Big Ten championship ring on their finger and they had a taste of the NCAA tournament and maybe some disappointment with how it ended. That's going to kind of maybe be your driving force next year. It kind of makes you excited to kind of get back on the ice and see the makeup of this of this new team, a much different team that I think fans are going to be used to with some new names to learn, but still kind of the same expectations, right? Absolutely, and this, this year was big for us on on um, you know reestablishing ourselves and rebounding from that year, and you know yeah we lost a lot. When you have a great season like that, and you're in you know amateur sports, there's going to be lots of people banging on these kids' doors to 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 bring them to the pro level, and that's what's happened. And and when they get to that position and the great contracts in front of them. You know, then we feel like we did our job. So, so I think it's, you know we're going to end up having probably six guys that signed early last year. We had three guys that left a, a last place team, a first round pick in Alex Turcotte. It was fifth overall. It was after his freshman year left. First round pick in Keandre Miller, who was after his sophomore year left to play with the Rangers and Wyatt Kalmuk, uh, who was uh, you know a late round pick left after his junior year, and he was one of the best off, you know, offensive defensemen in college hockey. So we lost a lot. But we were able to find a way to, to turn it, you know, like I said, turn it around. And this year we lost a lot. But the players we have in place and, and, and the leaders that, that are returning, uh, the taste that we did have this year, uh, the competitiveness that we had this year, what we learned from one another, uh, I think will carry over in the next year. we got some great freshmen coming in. We're going to have some transfers coming in. Uh, and, but I, I'm really excited that, you know, to, to, to put, uh, put this year behind us, look forward to next year and the challenges that are going to face us. I think that was one of the things that our, our leadership group took, took as a, as a challenge was the fact that there's going to be lots of adversity this year when it happens. So what? We're playing hockey. Let's appreciate that opportunity. Let's find a way to make the most of it, have fun, and just deal with it. And we lost five players, uh, that at one time this year, the COVID protocol, we played with 15 players in a short bench for four games in, in a seven-night span, and we had to travel during that time. And this, I mean, it was tough, and we battled through it. We found a way to win the last game of that thing against Ohio State right before Christmas uh, with a really, really short bench. And I think that was the mentality of our team, and that's got to be the mentality of our team moving forward on how we dealt with different challenges and adversity. And, and when we get to training camp and, and start the season next year, and there's no Cole Caulfield, there's no uh, Minus Weisbach, there's no Ty Emerson, there's no, you know, the, the list goes on and on of big pieces that we're at in this year's locker room, we'll be fine. we got lots and lots of character in that room and players that, that will step up and find a way to help us have a great season. And hopefully with a full arena in, in the Cole Center uh, that I think that everyone's looking forward to kind of getting back and, and, and getting a chance to cheer your boys on again. I mean, that's exciting. I, I said that to the four freshmen at the end of the year. You know, I said, man, you guys, you know, what'd you think? And they go, man, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. And this was the greatest, you know, it was what I expected. And I said, you know what? You didn't even have the fans there to support it. I said, wait till next year. I said, you know, you guys, you know, did a heck of a job in, in helping us. You know, I, I, I look at the freshmen and I, and I see what they missed. And, 
and to know that next year, hopefully, you know, the Crease Creatures are there, Boosters are there, our students are there, our fans are there, and that the band is there, and everything's going again, because that is, you know, the part of college athletics that separates it from any other you know, sort of athletics that you participate in. There's a special vibe of, of playing in front of your fellow students, and, and uh, that opportunity wasn't there this year for our guys, but... You know, like you said, hopefully next year uh, we're up and running and it's back to uh, full squat, full full coal center with uh, lots of energy in that building. Coach, really appreciate you making time for us today. Um, and obviously, congrats on a, on a great season. And thanks for sharing your Barry Alvarez stories with us. And we appreciate your time. My, my pleasure, Ben. Thank you. Again, you're listening to the MadridBlitz.com podcast. My thanks to Tony Granato. Wanted to have uh, Coach Granato on just because he had such a great season. And it came after three consecutive years of no more than 14 wins. They had 14 wins each of the last three seasons. And there's a lot of angst, I think, along with the program that they hadn't taken the necessary steps to be competitive again nationally. And that's one of the things that was one of the strengths of Barry Alvarez. Not just that he gave coaches all the tools they needed to succeed, world-class facilities, amenities for the student athletes to keep them uh, well conditioned, keep them on top of their academics so they're not ineligible. All the things needs to succeed. He was patient with his coaches. He knew the he knew how hard it is to coach at the college level. He knew that the results weren't always going to be national championship year after year unless you're Mark Johnson, the women's hockey team. There's going to be ups and downs and that's the one thing that fans have a problem with when you see teams struggle that, oh, it's got to be the coach. You need a change in leadership. You need to do better. But keep in mind that after that 93 season, there were some lean years for Wisconsin with Alvarez. There were some losing seasons in there that it took time for Alvarez to kind of recalibrate and get things going in the right direction that maybe if Wisconsin would have made a snap decision, you don't win Rose Bowls in 99 and 2000. Men's basketball is kind of the same thing. Greg Gard had two uh, Sweet 16 seasons to start with players that were recruited on the staff when Bo Ryan was there. Then he goes into a losing tailspin. They miss the tournament. People want his job. They want him fired. And then look at what he's done the last uh, two seasons. You know, Look what he did uh, specifically two years ago where he turned around that team and they won a Big Ten championship going 9-1 down the stretch. Patience is sometimes the key. And Alvarez always displayed that patience. And, you know, sometimes it, it backfired. Maybe women's basketball, uh, that move should have made sooner. Um, Mike Eves with men's hockey uh, a while back before Tony Granado took over. Maybe that move should have made, been made sooner. But for the most part, Barry trusts his coaches to get the job done. And more often than not, thanks to his leadership, they've been able to get the job done at the University of Wisconsin. As promised here is Alvarez's conversation with the media Tuesday afternoon following his announcement that he's going to retire at the end of June. Alvarez talked on a range of issues on his legacy and how the job has changed over the years, how the job has changed him over the years, on Chris McIntosh potentially taking over and will he beat the drum for Chris McIntosh to get the job, many other topics. And he started with this one on why now is the right time to call it a career. I was set to do it this past January and uh, visited with the chancellor and didn't think at that particular time with COVID and the things we had to deal with, it would be fair to hand, pass the baton to someone and put them in that position. Uh, so I told her I would try to get us through through COVID. 
Um, and I think that, that hopefully we're past the better part of it. We're seeing uh, we're seeing some progress and moving forward. And, uh, I, I just think it's time. I'm 74 years old. Uh, I've had a good run. It's just time to pass the baton. Um, I'm healthy. I have some things that I want to do. My wife and I want to travel. I have grandkids that I, I want to follow and support. So it was, it was just time. Just wondering, what made you realize? Obviously, you had a great career as a coach, but why did, did how were you able to kind of adjust to athletic administration, be the athletic director you were, and what gave you the confidence you could fill that role the way you have? You know, again, I, I used my college football coach as a as a mentor and somebody that I had great respect for, and try to pattern my career after him, even from starting as a high school coach. And, working my way up through assistant to, to a head coaching job. I told Pat Richter when I interviewed uh, for the job, he asked me uh, to lay out my, my future. It wasn't, I had no uh, specific school that, that was a dream job. I wanted to go someplace like my coach did in Nebraska, build it, sustain it, take over as athletic director and continue to sustain it. So that was always my ultimate plan, um, I, I moved into administration. Pat may be a senior staff member probably three or four years before uh, I took over, before he retired and, and I took over. Um, and the thing you learn in coaching, you learn how to make decisions. You know, there, there may be different decisions, but you learn to be a decision maker and have to be a, a decision maker, not afraid to make decisions. I always felt that an athletic, that being a former coach and being able to relate to, to your coaches, the 23 coaches that I have, I, I might have an advantage over athletic directors. I can get some that can think they can handle finances, and I can get people to do some other things. But uh, the business part of it, but I can manage people. I can manage the coaches. I can support the coaches, and. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a good decision maker because if you make enough decisions in this business, if you don't make enough good ones, you're not around long enough. So I, I just felt very confident. I knew the business. I knew the league. And I felt confident. Barry, Chancellor Blank said that we'll know more tomorrow about the national search, but why is Chris McIntosh the right person for that job. Can you talk about that? Will you campaign for him? How does that part play? Mike, I'm reluctant to talk about Mac. Um, you know, a number of my uh, deputies and, and former senior staff have gone on to be, and become athletic directors. Uh, even one is a commissioner now. Uh, but uh, Chris McIntosh is a player here. Uh, he loves Wisconsin. He understands it means something to him, uh, very bright, and uh, he, he's been outstanding, and he's, I've given him a lot of responsibility. He, he spearheaded uh, all the things, many of the things that we did in managing staff and, and how we managed uh, everything throughout COVID. Um, I, I'm going to be reluctant to, to, to beat the bandwagon. People know how I feel about Mac. You know, I, I feel like my responsibility uh, somewhat was to have someone prepared. Uh, he'll go through the process. I know the committee. 
I know Pete Miller is going to be the chair of the committee. I have a lot of confidence in Pete. Um, and uh, they'll have a process they go through, and, and, and I'm sure Mac will do a very good job in, in the process. What, what advice would, would you give that person going into the job, knowing the job that you do? Um, I, I would say learn Wisconsin, understand uh, the state, understand uh, this university and, 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 and the idiosyncrasies of this university and, and the politics of, of both the state and the, and the university. Um, you know, realize there's a way to get it done. There are no shortcuts. Uh, we've done it here uh, for a long time by doing it the right way. There's a current culture here that's a proven culture. I know whoever comes in has to put their own fingerprints on the job. Uh, I wouldn't tell them how to do the job. I'd be there to support, give advice anytime they wanted it. But, you know, as a wise man once said, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I know you have a lot of moments, but what moment stands out for you most as a football coach and what moment stands out for you most as athletic director here in Wisconsin? You know, uh, Winning that first Rose, there's nothing like the first Rose Bowl. I, I love the Rose White. I coached two of them before I came here when I was at Iowa. Uh, I said then, the first time we went out there, our team was overwhelmed just when you took the field. Um, there are certain ways you go about your business. and uh, that, that was, that'll be hard to beat. Although, going to Tokyo uh, to win a game to clinch that was right there with it. That was pretty special. Uh, as far as athletic director, you know, anytime one of my teams win a championship, just to be able to celebrate, see them celebrate, uh, is a highlight for me. When you first took this job, you described it as all you had to sell to the players, the football players, as blue skies. And when you stepped down as head coach, you take over as AD, said you saw Wisconsin as a sleeping giant. Now, 32 years later, how do you describe you, Wisconsin? I describe Wisconsin as one of the best athletic programs in the country, one of the most consistent athletic programs in the country, uh, one that a lot of people would, would, would love, where, where a lot of people would like to be. You know, I, a number of coaches that have come through here and I hear it time and time again. The best job I ever had was at the University of Wisconsin, and I believe that. Barry, how has this job changed you for 31 years, or this place changed you as a person? Why? You know, I, I don't know if it's changed me. Um, I've always been a pretty confident person. Uh, had ideas of how I wanted to do things. Um, and so... I guess this the thing about the athletic director's job that, that you have to understand, there are so many layers in it, so many things that you have your have to have your fingers on. You have to lean on a lot of people uh, to, to, to stay on top of all the things that are going on. And there are so many areas that you could disappoint people or upset people, whether it be tickets, parking, uh, you know, it goes on and on. You know, you lose a tough game, uh, fundraising. It just, 
there are just a lot of things, decisions on, on building. Um, so there are just many layers that you don't think about until you're in the middle of the job. Eric, you've been in the spotlight here for three plus decades, and I, I think it's safe to say you've enjoyed that. Are you, any part of you, going to miss that, or are you kind of looking forward to just you know, being out of it? I read a quote by my wife. She said, I like to be important. <laughs> um, you know, everybody likes to have an audience. Well, maybe everybody does, and I do. Um, I'm, I'm going to miss, you know, I'm going to miss being around the people. That's what I miss most when I left coaching. Uh, you, you lose the closeness uh, and the relationships you have with the players assistant coach. Now I have relationships, more relationships with my, you know, my assistants, uh, with the staff, but you don't have the close relationship as an administrator with the student athletes as you do working day to day with them, hand to hand, uh, meeting with them, having them to your house and everything else as you do with the coach. I, I really miss that. Um, I, I'll be, you know, I, I, I will miss being in the middle of the fray. I'll miss that, but I've already had people call me that they want me to, to to consult with them and help. So I'll keep my finger in the pot. Barry, when you, you look over to your left and you see sort of the, the symbols of all the success and everything that's happened over the last three decades, what are some of the emotions that come to mind as you're looking at those? You know, it's very satisfying. So no, I think Mark Johnson might be the only head coach that I – that I didn't hire the staff. And, and to see what they were able to accomplish, what our student athletes were able to accomplish by doing it the right way. And, and, and I know that the, the coaches that are here care about the kids first. And that, that's always been the most important thing for me. So to see that much success, um, it just makes me feel proud. I just want to bust my buttons. I'm so proud of what what my people accomplished. When you came here, you were really bold and aggressive. Uh, I think we know now that's a big part of your personality, but did you feel this place needed leadership and needed that kind of uh, aggressive, bold approach to, to push it to a different level? Um, you know what, Tom? I, I, uh, I didn't look at it that way. I, I really had a good I worked with a guy named Chuck Heater. If you remember, Chuck was on Dave McLean's staff here. He was my secondary coach at Notre Dame. He really prepared me for what was lacking in this job. The number one thing was a relationship with the high school coaches and being able to keep those uh, the players here. So I had really had a good plan. Um, you know, and, and as a coach, you have to have confidence, and particularly if you're going to turn a program around, you have to have confidence. And sooner or later, you better back it up, you know. And, and uh, but I, I just always had that confidence. I didn't. I really never thought of, is that something I have to do to get? But I to get the program turned or to win. But I know this as a leader, you better show confidence to all those that they're working for you, and all those that are playing for you. If you're not confident, no one's confident. And so it, it has to start from there. I, I can remember, I don't know if you 
I've told this story, I probably put it in my book, Lukey. And I, I can remember that first year, you know, we'd lose those games. I'm getting ready to play, you know, I'd go in and watch the films. Now on Monday, I'd have to go in and meet with the assistant coaches, then the head coach, or then the team. And I'd have to walk in, I'd have to be confident. But before I'd walk in there, I'd curl up in my in my office in a fetal position, aching. I was hurting so bad, but I couldn't let anybody see that. So I just think that's part of leadership is showing strength. Different skill sets, coach and ED, and you were successful at both. How were they different? Uh, the, the main thing, as I said earlier, um, you have many more layers in the AD's job. You know, you're managing people. Uh, you're not judged week to week as you are as a coach. Wins and losses, um, it's an accumulation of things. But you have so many things that you're responsible for. Uh, you're responsible for every team. You're responsible for tickets. You're responsible for fundraising, building, uh, academics, compliance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are just so many layers and so many things you have to keep your fingers on. But in the end, it's still about dealing with people and, and making decisions. Uh, it's a little different. There's, And I, I told athletic directors this. You know, you think you have stress. You think your job is tough. An athletic, an athletic director's job is very difficult. But, guys, it doesn't even come close to comparing to the stress and pressure that a head coach has. It doesn't come close to that, to that pressure. Um, I don't know if guys want to hear it or not, but I, I, I've been in both shoes, and I know which one is more stressful. So uh, they're both difficult jobs. They're different jobs, but in the end, they're about managing people. Mary Calta Athletics is in a position of big change. There's been a lot of changes over the last 30 years. What of all of that that has happened in the past and maybe that's coming in the future gives you pause in terms of what you want to see compared to what's happening or what might happen. Is that any part of your decision to walk away now is to maybe not be a part of things that are coming down the road? No, you know, and I'm not afraid of change. You know, I can remember going in when uh, when Gary Anderson left. And I remember walking in front of the team and the thing I told him was I told him about him leaving and I said, you know, everybody get, is nervous about change. Uh, embrace change. You're going to have to live with change the rest of your lives. Uh, embrace it, but trust me, I'm going to hire you a good coach. We're going to have a good bowl experience. Uh, but embrace change and, and use this as a life lesson. I am concerned about some of the future of college athletics. Uh, I think some of the decisions that are going to be made on uh, NIL, transfers, uh, some of the lawsuits that are coming out uh, could really affect uh, the future and college athletics as we see it. But, you know, if I, was, if I wasn't ready to, to, uh, to retire, I'd be ready to attack it. I'd be ready to, whatever they gave me, I'd make the best of it. I'd, I'd figure out a way for, for it to be an advantage. That's just the way I operate. Very uh if I would have told you after you won a state championship game in Mason City that you'd have all the success that you've had here, what would you say? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. 
I can remember one of my players telling me, Coach, it won't be long. You'll be a head coach in college someplace. I said, I know. That was, I tell you what, that game, that winning that state championship, Mason City, Iowa, was still a, a, as great a thrill as winning the Rose Bowl, believe me, or winning the national championship. It's still about kids producing and doing something that people didn't think you could do. Barry, what is your message to Wisconsin fans as you leave the university, and how do you want them to remember you most? Uh, I'd like for them to remember me as the guy that backed up what he promised. Uh, and I also want to thank him. I love Wisconsin. I love the fans. Uh, they've been great to me. I've had some unbelievable experiences. I can't go any place. Uh, I can remember walking into a into a hotel lobby in, in London, Cindy and I, and, the, and there was a guy playing a piano. He started playing on Wisconsin, uh, being in the middle of Aruba, and some you know somebody talking to me about the Rose Bowl. And I said, well, are you from Wisconsin? He said, no, I'm, I'm from here. I said, how do you know me? He said, we only get four channels and ESPN's one of them. You know, so uh, Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin gave me a great opportunity, a great vehicle. Um, the people in this state have been great to me. The university, people at the university have been wonderful. Cindy and I and, and our family have been able to do what we wanted to do wanted to put roots down and find a call place home. We've done that here. Um, and I appreciate everything all of them have done and, and the support that they've given me. I love this place. That was Barry Alvarez on Tuesday at the Kohl's Center talking to the media as he gets ready to uh, have his farewell tour over the last two and a half months, although he will be the first to tell you there's a lot more work left to do our salute to Barry Alvarez on a great career happy retirement and you can bet that you'll see him around Camp Randall and around Madison quite a bit over the course of the next few months because hey his grandson Jake Ferguson has still got one more year to play for the Wisconsin football team that is the badgerblitz.com podcast for this week we will try to get to Wisconsin football next week unless someone else decides to retire we'll be focusing on Wisconsin football uh, from here on out and we will get you all geared up and ready for fall camp. Uh, just, you know, season opener about just less than five months away. It's it's slowly creeping up on us. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. Also follow Jake Kosarowski, who has been at uh, who's been on this podcast before. He's going to be attending a bunch of UW practices. He'll have practice reports up on the site as well. He is Jake K-O-C-O on Twitter as well. Thank you again for listening. Thank you as always for downloading and making us a part of your afternoon, wherever you are, at work, in the car. Really appreciate you making us a part of your podcast listening experience. We will talk to you next week. Wisconsin football on tap. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.